0: Well, just whilst they're doing uh, music, uh, the band are doing the uh, communion, just want to just share where we're at, where we're, where we're going to go. Um, and what I've been doing over the last few weeks is just being led by the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be coming out of our flesh, but we want to come out of our spirit. Because in this time and this age, we need to be led by the Spirit of God, yes? So we, how many people want to be led by the Spirit of God? Yeah. We all do. Yeah. So this is our desire. And... Uh, but we're not serving things of flesh and blood, but we're serving a principality and a king. And his name is Jesus. And if he is a king, then there must be a kingdom. And that kingdom is on earth as in heaven. So when you see the kingdom of God, it's always speaking about the kingdom on earth. When it's the kingdom of heaven, it's speaking about the spiritual matters. Um, because these two kingdoms um, here on earth and in heaven should look alike. They should reflect each other but they don't because we're not there yet because we need to be coming out of our flesh instead of you know we should be instead of coming out of our flesh we should be coming out of the spirit we should be seeing things in the spirit first and bringing it down from heaven on earth as we sit how many people see themselves healing the sick yes. how many people here see themselves raising the dead how many people see casting out demons how many people you see you need to be seeing this you need to be seeing this here it's in Ephesians it says to let the eyes of your heart and what is the eyes of your heart the eyes of your heart is your imagination so if you if you cannot see it here then it's not going to happen here so we've got to start seeing it here that's living in the spirit then so it's when Jesus says in John 5 19, I can only do what I see my Father doing because he sees it in the Spirit first and he brings it down on earth. Because this is what we've got to be doing. We've got to be living for the kingdom of God, and we've got to be seeing in the Spirit of God to make let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because there is a king, and his name is Jesus. And we are a servant to the King of Jesus. And I want to hear from Jesus' mouth. Good and faithful Andy, well done, my good and faithful servant, in whom I'm well pleased. Don't you want to hear those words? We want to hear those words. And, and, and this, this life is in James, it says, this life is like the vapour of the sea. It is here today and gone tomorrow. Our lives are short in comparison to eternity. So what we do on earth will determine where we will end up in the heaven, in the kingdom of God. How we close, how close do we want to be to Jesus for an eternity? This is when the Bible says that that those that haven't made the right choices to live their lives for Jesus and Jesus only, and they've lived it, they're born again, they're saved, they're born again, but they will live out of the parameters and they will look from the darkness into the light. That's the choice that we have today. Do when we want to be looking at the glory of Jesus from afar, from the outer darkness, where there will be gnashing of teeth and weeping. Oh, if only, if only I'd done this. If only I'd lived my life not out of selfishness, but out of a love for Jesus. I could be right by the King of Kings. And it's all right, we're being saved and and, and we'll be there, but our lives have got to live for him and him alone. So this is what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is, is saying... You know what I want to live for you and if I die for you then I'm gonna die for you but it's not about it. he doesn't want us just to lay down you know just lay down our lives he wants us to live because of the greater call we have got to subdue this planet that's the the remit that was given to Adam to, to subdue this earth but Adam gave up that right who to the devil and what do we do we've got to defeat the works of the enemy That's why Jesus came. It says that in one John. It says that the reason that Jesus came was to defeat the works of the enemy. So shouldn't that be our job? So why are we all sick? We've got to see it from the spirit realm. We've got to see that kingdom. And then what I tackled at the end of last week's talk was this is that many people feel unrighteous. They feel oh I'm not good enough. I'm 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 a sinner. Well, you are. You were born into sin. You know, there there, there is a conflict going on inside of us between the soul and the spirit, between our hearts and our minds. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then if we see ourselves as downtrodden and sinful and, and all the rest, we'll act like that. What we have got to see ourselves is like this. For he, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made himself, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in and through him. So you have been made right through the blood of Jesus. And what's left? Righteousness. You've been made righteous. But it says that if we confess our sins then he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from what? All unrighteousness. So if he purifies us, if we confess our sins, then guess what? Get up and get back into the battle. Because none of us are going to be perfect. We need a move of the Holy Spirit like we've never needed before on this earth. You know, when when we look at this left-wing liberal agenda, as Ian said, they will tolerate anything apart from one thing, the truth. They will, to- they will tolerate anything apart from the truth. And when it says in the Bible that good will become evil and the evil will become good, this is where we're at. We're at, a, we're at the, 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 the rise and the maturing of two kingdoms. The kingdom of light is going to be mature and the kingdom of darkness is going to be mature so we know this is going to happen there is going to be a maturing up of the kingdom of God the people of the kingdom of God that's you and me we're going to be in a maturity and a power put on those people like never before we are about to see I won't get too deep into this because it isn't my message But we're about to see the 144,000 that have been hidden in Israel arise and shine. But we're also about to see, out of Revelation 14, the 144,000 out of the earth arising and shining. You're about to see that. The two witnesses are going to come into Jerusalem soon. And if the two witnesses are there, there's going to be a rising up of the people. That's their trumpet call. Guys, arise and shine, for the light has come. Come on, guys, come out. And he's going to be calling Israel. Israel. Into this because that's where the battle is it's all going to be Israel there is going to be war breaking out in Israel that is my message that's just like a little introduction but then uh, he knew no sin and became righteousness and then Colossians 1 I love this Colossians 1 verse 21 and 22 learn it learn it because it's beautiful And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. In your mind, that's where the battle is. In your mind, you are alienated by wicked works. Yet now he is reconciled in his body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless and above all reproach in his sight. So when he looks at you, He doesn't see you as this downtrodden, miserable, horrible. No, he sees you with such love and such compassion. And he can't see you in the sin if it's confessed. He sees you as perfect, blameless, holy and above any reproach. That's how he sees us. So how how should we see ourselves? The same way. The same way. And if we can see through his eyes how he looks at us, oh wow that will revel we, we won't need counseling we, we won't need it we don't need to go and tell somebody because we know that we're loved and if we know that we're loved by the king of kings and the lord of lords then what whatever anyone else says doesn't matter i'm loved by him i'm loved by him it doesn't matter if heidi gets up and doesn't tell me that she loves me my by her not doing that doesn't make a good day Or whether a bad day, I know that when I get up in the morning, I'm loved by him. And it's not, listen, don't beat yourselves up. It's not by how much you read the Bible or how much you pray, even though that is important. But the focus shouldn't be, oh, he doesn't love me because I haven't read my Bible this week. It's not that. It's not that. We read the Bible to get more of him in our lives. We pray to him because we love him. It's not out of a duty or a sacrifice. It's out of love. And everything, all this message is, it's got to be out of love because he first loved us. I get excited by this because it's the truth. You know, somebody wrote some stuff. we're, we're, We're doing home ed and we're doing, I want to do GCSE. So we thought, do you know what? We're going to put out a little message to the home ed department across Sheffield because it's... It's the largest outside London. So I thought I'm going to offer this up to anybody else who might want to do GCSE. And you won't believe what comes out of the walls. People slamming and damning. What about this? What about that? And Heidi said, what do I do? I said, just ignore it. Just ignore it. Don't let it get under your skin. Because we're love. We're love. And we can't allow these things to get under our skin and take us away from what the object of our love is which is him. This is going to happen to us. People aren't going to understand us. They're all going to hate you. They're not going to like you for what you stand up because you stand up for the truth. And you're going to be slammed and down for the truth, which is Jesus. Oh, you're anti-this, you're anti you're a homophobic, No, I'm standing up for the truth. And the truth is Jesus is Jesus but we're in a battle folks we're in a battle for two kingdoms but here's something I want to tell you one of the first things that Jesus did when he called his disciples can you remember the first time that he went down by the shore and he said to the disciples they'd been toiling all night and caught nothing he said listen guys I know you've been toiling cast your net on the other side what happens they got a massive massive catch Huge catch that they had to call the other boats and their nets almost broke. Can you remember that? But they they almost lost the catch. Whereas the last thing that Jesus did with his disciples, can you remember? Same thing. So at the beginning of his ministry, this happens. At the end of the ministry, he says to them, After again, they've been toiling all night. And they say, cast your net over the other side. They didn't recognise him. So he did that. And what do they do? They The Bible says they brought out a multiple of fish and the net didn't break that's the prophetic sign to us the the, the first prophetic sign is the first one that's the early church they almost got it they, they almost lost their catch so the move of the early church was almost snuffed out so it's a prophetic sign at the end, of the, the, end, the end of the age, the end of Jesus' ministry, the end of this age, there is going to be a multitude of fish that will be, supplant the first one, but the nets won't break. It will hold fast. It will hold true. And guess who's going to bring a multiple, multiple of fish? You and me are, because we've been born for such a time as this. We, you know, you, you, you've heard this a thousand times, but we can't say it enough. You have been born for such a time as this. And if, if what you've gone through over these last few years, it's got to be worthwhile. It's got to be worthwhile. Because we don't go through this struggle just to go tff, off like a puff. No, we're going to finish this in a blaze of glory where his name will be lifted up. His truth will be shouted from the the, the tops of houses and, and there is going to be a move of God like this world has never seen. Never seen before. And it's going to be on us. But we're not going to do it alone. The Holy Spirit is going to come down... On us with truth and power and demonstrations of signs and wonders. These signs will follow those that believe. This, will just, this is just going to be an out offspring, an out shooting of signs and wonders. But it's going to be on a people that are going to shine with the glory of God, with his kingdom. And it is going to be his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through a a body of people that are just undone for him. This is it, folks. The tire is about to hit the road like never before. But there's been a fight. There's been a fight. Therefore, says in Hebrews 4, Verse 14 and 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So folks, we've got to hold on to this faith that we have in him. And it doesn't matter how tough it gets. It doesn't matter how much this world will hate us. We've got to hold on to that faith. For we do not have our high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's incredible. Let us then approach God's grace, God's throne of grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Holy Spirit is going to come on a body of people with such grace, like never been seen before. Such grace. Because you know why? Why? We live in a tough world. We live in a world where I keep seeing, you know, you go down to Morrison's and and you... I don't want to see these posters of half-naked men and women. You know, advertising this, advertising that. I don't want to get these things that will just flash up on my, you know, iPad or my computer. You know, it's it's just disgusting. I don't want it, but it's in our face. Wherever we go, it's in our face. I don't want to see young women, you know, showing the world, their bums, that are hanging out of calf-cut jeans and not hiding any, any of their dignity. I don't want to see it. That's right. I don't want you to either. No. <laughs> but it, it, it's not right. You know, we, we should dress modestly. modestly, and, you know, we, and we've got to say to these young people, these, especially these young girls, do you know what? You are loved in spite of what you say about yourself. You do not need to do this. You've got to think more highly of yourself. Don't give something that is so precious and so, such a treasure so loosely. We've got to say this to the young men. Listen, you're, you becoming a man is not how many women you've slept with or how many fights you've been into. You are going to become a man before God of how much you've stood on the truth and how much you've loved. Because their knees will tremble, their tongues will confess. jesus christ is lord whether they want to or not that is the truth that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord so it's about a kingdom and we've got to be about the father's business we've got to be kingdom builders not builders of church we've got it we do it here we're break we're going to break out of this because it isn't about church yes it's part of god's kingdom but it's so much more to the kingdom Damn church. It's not about church. Yet I love meeting together. This is the Bible says. This, this, if you want to hear what the Bible says, let's stop, you know, let's, let's not give up meeting together or summon the habit of doing. Because there's, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to go to church. No. I don't know. I want to come to church, even though I was late today. You know, I was late. Not, it wasn't Heidi's fault, I just, I shouldn't... But I, you know, I, was, I had to get out and walk the dog, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I was late. But I sat, stood at the back and just prayed and you know, getting in the zone because I want to. I love it. I love joining in. It's part of it. It's about fellowship. Fellowship. <laughs> right. But we're in we're in a battle between light and darknesses, and I want to turn to Matthew 13 because it's it's what Jesus t- tells seven parables in Matthew 13. And I want you to see these parables because there has been a struggle through the first, the, all of the church ages. There has been a struggle between light, this, these two kingdoms of lightness and darkness. Huge, huge struggle. And, it's, and when you have a look at um, the seven churches, you've got to remember the seven churches of Revelation, of Ephesus, of Smyrna, of Thyatira, of Pergamos, of Sardis, Philadelphia, and oh, that's the one you want to be in, and then Laodicea. Those seven church ages, those seven churches, are not just churches that were in the present. This is where the Word of God is like, it it has layers of prophetic right the way through it. It's not just the Losedine and the church was at the same time as the Ephesus. They were all churches in the Middle East. But there's layers to the prophetic. There are also seven church ages. Seven church ages. And those churches are alive and well, today, in the Pentecost and the Charismatic Church. They're alive and well. And I, I, I just want to take you through, but they also, and I'm going to come on to it, they also represent both the New Testament and the Old Testament, combined together. And I want to run through some of this, this because Ephesus is, this is desirable, but they lost their first love. And they went from 33 AD, thereabouts, when Jesus was taken away off the earth to around about 64 AD. Then he got smyrna, which means bitter. And smyrna were known for making myrrh. And myrrh was what used... Remember when the, uh, the woman came in and she anointed the feet of, of Jesus with myrrh? It was a precious, precious... It was, it was hugely precious. But myrrh is what, if you could afford it, is what they would smear on bodies for burial. So even the name of this church, was prophetic. Because they would go through such persecution like never before in that church age. It says that you will suffer for 10 days. It wasn't 10 days, it was 10 years of persecution. Huge persecution. And this was the, one of the only, out of the seven churches that Jesus didn't have a reprimand. He says you will suffer even when you lose your lives. But be, you know, you, you may be poor, but you're rich. You've got it. But you're going to suffer, be faithful even unto death. And this church went from 64 AD to 323 3 A.D., 323 3, to the rise of Constantine. Right? So it's all history and it's all so prophetic. Then we got the Pergamous church that, that through Constantine, it became, it came, it was a marriage between um, marriage between powers. Church church and state coming together. Where at the stroke of a pen, Constantine said, right, we, we are going to become a Christian state. Well, how can you become a Christian state at the stroke of a pen? It's basically Constantine saw the persecution. He did it for the right reasons. He said, there is such persecution against these Christians. We've got to amalgamate them into our society and control them. That's, what, that's, that's the rise of the Holy Roman Catholic Church to control them. So it's married to power. It's a compromised church. It's Balaam. Remember Balaam? It says, I can't curse them, but I'll tell you what, if you do, if you compromise them, if you let their men sleep with your women and their women sleep with their, their men, then guess what? They will adopt the customs of your, your, your people. They will compromise their walk with their God. And that's exactly what happened. Remember Phineas? Phineas, the guy that that was so incensed with this, came across a couple that were um, doing what they were doing in a tent, and and it was adultery, adultery, and and he got so... But it was adultery because it was a woman who was of another tribe with a Jewish man, a Hebrew. And he was so incensed with this compromise, he ran a spear through them. Because there cannot be any compromise. There can't be any compromise. And then we've got Thyatira, which is the traditions of man. This is Jezebel. This is Jezebel sprinkling a little bit of yeast that gets into the bread and spoils it completely. It completely... This is when we go through the whole thousand years. There's the word, thousand years. It's the dark ages. And that went from 313 right the way through to 1517. Over a thousand years. And then we got Sardis. This is the wake-up. This is the precious stone, the remnant church, that there's a remnant church that has got to come out and shine for Jesus. And this was um, from 1517 to 1776. And then the 1776 we've got for the Philadelphian age, which is brotherly love. This is when you see America getting swept by the Holy Spirit, the UK getting swept and having revivals. This is a move of God like we've never seen before. And this went from 1776 right the way through to 1914. <coughs> These are the faithful ones. These are the ones that are about the Father's business. These are the ones that are building upon a kingdom. Let your kingdom come. This is what we're, we're about here today. And then we've got the Locidian, the power of laity, it's the lukewarm church. Because when it says, you are neither cold nor hot, because you're neither cold nor hot, now that doesn't mean you can be a a Philadelphian person in the right season, when it's baking hot, giving your brother a a cold cup of water. Or you could be a Philadelphian person in the winter, giving your brother a hot cup of water, depending upon the seasons. This is what Jesus was saying. You, need, you don't know the seasons you're in. You're neither hot, in other words, summer, here's the cold water, or you're cold, or you, 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 you need a—you know, warming up, here's a hot drink. You're neither, you're lukewarm. You, you, you're sort of like, you're compromised. And this is what Jesus was saying, I, I'm going to spit you out, because you're neither hot nor cold. It's good to be cold when it's hot. See? It's, do, do you see that? But same, similar, you could be sat in... A Locidean church that is neither hot nor cold as a Philadelphian person in this, t- in this, de- this end age. You've got to surround yourself and keep the company with Phil- Phil- Philadelphian-type people that will spur you on to love and good deeds. Love first, and then the good deeds will follow. The offspring of that is love. The centre of it is love. Love for the Lord your God. With all of your might, with all of your strength, with everything you have, to love him first and then to learn to love one another. That's the Philadelphian age church. But these churches are all alive and well today. We've got the compromised church, what I call the emerging church. Um, yeah, it's another story. I'll talk of on that one. But you know, the Old Testament comes in because Ephesus is Moses, it's the beginning. But then they lost their first love. Then you got Korah, the Smyrna church, the Pergamum, the the persecuted church. Then you got Balaam, mentioned the. the, the, And then you got Jezebel. And then you have the remnant of Sardis and Hezekiah, which is a type of Jesus. Hezekiah was a type of Jesus. And he was the true king. He, He ruled with such godly wisdom. And he lifted the whole of the nation out of what? Balaam worship. I want to be a Hezekiah. I want to be a type of Jesus that will lift the church out of their compromised state, lift them out of their lukewarmness, lift them out of their persecution. Lost their first love. And we see this in Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9. This is the seven parables that that he's speaking about. And he's speaking in these seven parables about these seven church ages. He says, then he spoke many things of them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell upon the wasteland, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them but others fell on good ground and yield a crop some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty he who has ears to hear let him hear so we know that this is the who's the sower it's Jesus this is the Ephesus church this is the first church it's Jesus he is the sower and we know that you know things of the thorns speak about the things of life coming along and tangling people up, shutting people up. The birds, which is, any time you see birds of the air, that's the demonic. So the birds of the air come along, temptation comes along and picks out those seed and, and it gets devoured. So that's temptation, that's the, the devil trying to rid people of, of this, the sower. But Jesus is the sower. And so the seed first is Jesus. Because what does a seed have to do when it produces a crop? It gets put in the ground and it dies. It dies. And Jesus was that first seed. He had to die to produce a crop. A hundredfold, 60 and 30, or in the, as other parts in the Bible, 10, 5 and 1. There must be a harvest from you and me. This is, this is what we're going to be given an account for, of this harvest. And from this harvest we will get our rewards, and I'll come on to that. Because this is... This, we're going to put this earth... I was talking to Joshua yesterday, and Joshua was saying, said, Joshua, do you realise that in places in the Bible it talks about nuclear war? And he said, where? Well, I showed him a few places, Zechariah, uh, Ezekiel, all these... This speaks about nuclear war. That's in the Bible. You know, and I said, and do you know what? We're going to spend a thousand years putting this earth Right? And I'm going to speak about a little bit about that, because this is where we're headed. And your reward will be part of that. How much you love him will depend where you spend an eternity in this kingdom. That should shake us up. So then we have the second church age, from 64 to 323 AD. Be faithful even unto death. And it says here in in verse 24... This is the second parable of wheat and tares. And another parable he put forth and says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while the men slept, whilst the church slept, the enemy came in and sowed into the church what should never have been there. I'm just making that. But when the grain was spelt and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did we not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to him the enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want us to go and gather them up but he said no Lest, whilst you gather up the tares you may also uproot the reap the wheat with them let them grow together until the harvest at the time of the harvest i will say to the reapers first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them but gather the wheat into my barn folks we know what that means. The tares is the only way. Do you know the only way you can distinguish the tares from the wheat is in full maturity, the wheat head bounce and the tares remain upright. That's prophetic. Every knee will bow. But I want to bow my knee now. I want to worship him now. But we know that these kingdoms mature. So the darkness is going to mature like never before. We're going to see huge evil come on this earth. A thousand may fall on my left, 10,000 on my right, but it will not touch my house. Psalm 91. He who abides in the shelter of the Most High shall tabernacle under his wings. will be protected. will be provided for, but we've got to feed the others. But it won't touch us. Because we're, we're the Philadelphian church. We never suffer persecution. It's the only church age that never suffered persecution. So the tears of the early church, it wasn't perfect, folks. The man, again, the soul was Jesus, the, you know, into my barn. That's the kingdom of heaven. kingdom of God is my barn. And, and and yet, the early church was not perfect. They almost messed it up. I don't want an outpouring like the early church. I want the new outpouring. The new pouring That is, that is going to be, I mean, <laughs> it's going to incorporate some of the old, but it's going to be new. We haven't been this way before. There is going to be a new anointing that falls upon the church that we've never been this way before. And most of the church are going to miss it. I don't want to go back there. I want to move in the power of the age to come, don't you? Don't you? The third church, the Pergamos, married to power, the compromised church, the Balaam church, the parable of the mustard seed in, in Matthew 13, 31, another parable he put forth saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now look for this. There are always patterns to the prophetic in the word. Always patterns. God is a God of patterns. So listen, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed that that, that there is. And a man took and sowed in his field. That man again is Jesus, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it's greater than all the other herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. That sounds really nice, isn't it? But what do birds of the air represent? Demonic. demonic. The demonic coming and setting up root and home in the greatest tree. The early church. The compromised church. The one that, if you can't destroy it, join it. And destroy it from within. It's the canker worm. It's the, it's the three types of worm that you get in Revelation and in Joel. So it's talking about the smallest becoming the biggest, which is Jesus. You know, the smallest, small of all religions was one man, out of love, going to a cross. There's no other religion like that. And he doesn't kill you or chop your head off if you leave that religion. We've got, we've got, we've got good news, folks, amazing news. I said it's all about the, the roman catholic church through constantine at the stroke of a pen it becomes where he conquers the people and brings them into a state system and uh the of stroke of a pen it's incredible it's all about control And this is where you get um like the woman in the sky you know about this about the woman in the sky when you know the, the like mary right well in the greek um history in the greek culture they in in mythology they had a woman in the sky and she was pictured holding a baby the romans adopted it they adopted a lot of the traditions and customs and um, all this mythology from the from the greeks they wanted to be like the greeks so the romans adopted and they called it the woman in the sky she was depicted holding a baby with bright sky behind her she was called the woman in the sky and all they did at the stroke of a pen is flipped it round. That's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Like Sadhu goes up and meets Mary in heaven. Runs up to Mary and says, says to the angel, can I speak to her? Of course you can. And Sadhu wanted to ask one, one thing of this. She walks up to Mary and says, you know, um, mother of Jesus, you know, and with such reverence, you know how Sadhu is. And, you know, he says, can I ask you a question? She goes, yes, of course you can. What do you all, what do you do with all those prayers that are offered in your name? And she goes... What prayers? Because there is a demonic entity that is capturing all of those prayers. Often, you know, this this would have put me on a scaffold in the Dark Ages. It it is. It's. But it's the truth. Mother Mary, you know, it's the woman in the sky. Those. You say that to a Catholic person. Now watch them spit. You know, they don't like this, do they? That's why we had the mother of Jesus, you know, Mary as a statue from this place, out there without a head, being decapitated. I think that was a prophetic sign. We didn't, we didn't do it, <laughs> it wasn't us. It wasn't us, Gov. Not guilty, Your Honor. So you know, then, we, then we get the whole thing of buying your way out of heaven, or buying your way out of hell, You know, which was complete. You, you build a church, you're, you, you're out of hell. You, you're out of purgatory you're out of that mid place you get you're brought into. no there's only one way we get to heaven it's through the blood so and then you know they, the, the church became the most powerful institution on earth in the civilized world if you can call it civilized do you realize how many people were martyred in that dark ages this is a, this is a conservative estimate by the way conservative over a hundred million people Died for their faith. Just read the Fox Book of Martyrs. Just read the Fox Book of Martyrs, and that just gives you a snippet of what these people went through. it It was brutal, brutal beyond description. Over 100 million through a thousand year period. So, fourth church age, which is the Jezebel. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of the meal till it was all leavened. Who's the woman? It's the spirit of Jezebel. It's the, it's the, it's the time of the demon of doctrines coming in. It's the traditions of men coming in. It's sown straight into the whole of the church. And it's, it's, Jezebel. it's the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of control. And if you didn't agree with it, you lost your head. You, you, you were killed. And it only takes a little. And this is literally, it speaks, Levin speaks of sin, false doctrine, and hypocrisy. And it moves away from the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus. Totally away from the truth. And what did it result was total control and total deception. And it affected, effected the whole church it's amazing this you read some of our history in this country you know of the people that stood up for the truth and how long they lasted they didn't last very long in this country just look at the history but this is the one i like this is the fifth church age that he speaks about in verse 44 sardis the precious stone the remnant the wake-up call It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over he goes and sells all that he buys, all that he has and buys that field. What is the pearl that was hidden? Think about the church, the, the, the age, 15, 17. What was the pearl that was hidden? The word of God. The word of God through Martin Luther... And it wasn't just through Martin Luther. This is the man that went and sold everything because he, he, he was ready to die. When he nailed that thesis on that church, you know, with the 90, 94 points of what he didn't agree with with the Roman Catholic Church, he was ready to die. He was ready to die. That's what it means. He sold everything. But he, he found in, a, in, a, in what we call now is the tower experience. He was a monk, just in in a little monk in Germany. And he went up into the the tower and he got struck by lightning. And then when he was being struck by lightning, the word of God that he knew in Latin, because he was a, you know, he, he could understand Latin, was from Romans, which says that man is justified by faith. Justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith that he, Jesus, came and died for us. And that we have forgiveness of sins instead of trying to buy our way out of heaven. And it's the word of God that he then thought, well, okay, let's get the word of God out. Well, and how did they get the word of God out? It was through the printing press. The printing press was just discovered. By who? By some people in Germany and some people in the UK. Yep, absolutely. Good, the Gutenberg the Gottenberg, Gottenberg Press. But, you know... And this is where most of, the, most of the church services were conducted in Latin. And only the educated could understand Latin. So most of the people, I mean, in this country, just you, you don't know history. You can go to churches here in the UK and you can see what they call doom paintings in all of these medieval churches. There's still some around in the UK where they have all the paintings and guess what they are? They're of heaven and hell. So they've got spiking of, you know, from the people, you know, people being dragged down into hell. Why? Why were the paintings put in these churches? Because the people couldn't understand what was happening in the services, could look at the paintings. And this, this, is, this was prevalent. This is well known in the UK. Our early churches had these doom paintings. So the common people would go, oh, I don't want to live like that and end up down there, where I'm put into a vat and boiled and then eaten. No, I I want to go, you know, everything, the pictures are beautiful of heaven and everything's shiny and and everything like that. And that's because they couldn't understand what was happening in the services. But now in the printing press, people could read for themselves the word of God for the first time ever, for a thousand years. Incredible. That's the pearl. That's the pearl. And it says, if you want to, you know, Tyndale, uh, Caxton was the first guy that that print that brought out the printing press and he, he was one of the first guys to start printing the New Testament but he died and a guy called Tyndale came along and said I will finish his work so he printed out the whole of the New Testament and he just started on the Old Testament when Sir Thomas More the man of all seasons they called him Sir Thomas More ordered him to be executed and they strangled him to death. And you know, as they strangled Tyndale to death, you know what he, he shouted out? Because Henry VIII was on the throne. He was called the Defender of the Faith by the Holy Roman Empire, the Catholic Church, the Defender of the Faith. And because he he had lust for Anne Boleyn, wanted to divorce Catherine of Aragon, who was Spanish and, and, and a staunch Roman Catholic, said, "Well, I've got to divorce her, but the Roman Catholic Church won't give me divorce rights. So I'll guess what I'll do. Thomas, come here." I want to chat with you in my study. We're going to start our own church. We're going to call it the Church of England. So you can give me a divorce from Catherine of Aragon. This is all history. But Tyndale, as he was being strangled, shouted out with his last breath, open the eyes to our king. And he was just that year called defender of the faith. Open the eyes of our king. And within a year, he'd switched wasn't a perfect man by any means but God uses imperfect men for his will to be done and the church of england came into operation and it wasn't all right we just all we did was adopt a lot of the roman catholic stuff but at least it brought us freedom and the word of god got out the king james bible after it went through elizabeth well mary bloody mary look at that you know the defender of the Catholic Church and then is Elizabeth and God I believe God had his hand over Queen Elizabeth she should have been by all rights being killed by Mary because she was brought up in the Protestant faith and then we have King James King James the fourth of Scotland King King James the first of England and he wasn't a perfect man but they they had for the first time by his throne by his when he came to the throne the King James Bible that we now read called the New King James Bible. that isn't that incredible. And it's all in the it's all in the book. It's all in the Bible. That's that's incredible. That's the perfectness of the word. Incredible this isn't it? You can't make this up. So here we have the sixth church, the faithful ones, about the father's business, spared persecution. Listen to this. Again, the kingdom of heaven It's always the kingdom of heaven, so it's the spirit realm. There's battles being fought in the spirit realm that are going on around us as we sit here or I stand here. There's battles going on for this kingdom. Let your light shine, Lord. Let your kingdom come. We've got to pray it in. We must pray this in. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Who's the man? It's anybody that believes in Jesus. It's anybody who believes in Jesus. What's the pearl of great worth? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of fire. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit movement that would start the revivals. It's the Holy Spirit. And, the, and this is why the, the man, which is us, believers in Jesus, must sell everything. There mustn't be anything on this earth that is going to keep us. It's not your pension. It's not your business. It's nothing. You've got to be sold out for Jesus. Right. Everything. Everything. Because when we do that, we get the fullness of the holy spirit it's just the pearl of great worth we can't do this without the holy spirit so this started the pentecostal movements so, you know when you have a look at this this early church period of the 1900s to the, to the 20th century. It's a baptism of fire. It's a speaking of tongues. It's the start of the, the Pentecostal movement. It's the start of the healing and anointing. It's the Alexander Dowies and the John G. Lakes and the Welsh Revival of 1904, the Azusa Street with William Seymour and William Brannan, the healing movement. And then you go on, A.A. You know, a. Allen, all these Catherine Colmans It's the Holy Spirit. When Benny Hinn writes a book saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. This is the pearl of great worth. Because none of this would have started without the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come and start with us. Come and start in this place. Just with, a, with, a, with nobodies here. We're not any names, we're no ones. But you know us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, because you are the only one that's going to touch these streets and these young people and old people and every child, every man and woman in the street of Sheffield. We ask you, Holy Spirit, let your fire go out from this place. I'm being prophetic here. The fire of God is... And forget about your little... It's not worth it. Do not be distracted by the little tares and the little foxes. Because they will distract you from the true purpose, which is revival across this city. It's revival across this land. It's going to be where this country becomes a beacon of light when Europe gets dark. And you and me will teach others how to become... the kingdom we will model it on the kingdom which has got to be love 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 Oh, right seventh church age the kingdom of heaven because folks the Losedean age is our age this is where we're at this is where the, the tire hits the road Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore. They sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. What's the sea? Humanity. It's people. You're getting it. There are... T- The sea you know rivers it all talks about the sea of humanity the sea of people this gospel of the kingdom is going to go to every nation because every kind of fish is gathered not just some every there's going to be because you see that in the book of revelation that every tongue from all nations will sing every tongue there's going to be a representation in heaven Of every nation and every tribe and every tongue in heaven that means it tells me that this word of good news is going to go to all nations so you think about Mecca you think about you know the Middle East God why are the world so blind why are they so blind? Why do they give Israel such a hard time and call them an apartheid state where most of the, 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 the Middle Eastern countries don't even let their women become their second, third-class citizens? They can drive for the first time. Whoopee! Yay. We've been driving around in cars in Israel since 1948. <laughs> you know, I mean, just think about it. They they won't accept the truth that Israel is the only democratic state in the whole of the Middle East. And it's an end time harvest. It's the the harvest of good and evil. This this is interesting because Jesus at the end of this passage says something very interesting that caught my eye. And this is what I I sort of like alluded to. It says, Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? They said to them, yes, sir. They didn't have a clue. Then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasures, things new and old. Who's the householder? Jesus. What's the treasures? Things of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be new and old. This is the new wineskin. This is where the old wineskin of traditions of men is cast away. It's the new thing. And we're, all we're saying is, Lord, we don't want to go back to the early church. We want the new things. Pour into this new wineskin. I'm not going to do it the old way, but pour your wine into this, 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 this new wineskin because I want to do it your way. Isn't it incredible? Absolutely incredible. You see, we are that chosen generation that will be and bring the light of Jesus into this city, into these streets, across this nation. And there are going to be many like us. Not a lot. I want more. But there are going to be many like us. And you're going to have to get used to people sitting there and using the F word. You're going to have to get used to people letting bad language slip until the Holy Spirit convicts them that we don't become this, this religious police. You can't do that in church. No, these are people that are going to have to unlearn things that but allow the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen. The Holy Spirit is going to do it. And these people are going to become raging evangelists. They're going to be unstoppable, but we've got to instruct them and teach them about the kingdom. Not through what churches, but give them the whole package. We've got to instruct them. We've got to tell them about the spirit realm. We've got to say, listen, we're going to be finding things in the spirit realm as well as on earth in the end times. So we can't say that realm is not there. Because it can be, and it is. We've got to teach them the truth. We've got to make them love like they've never been loved before and to make them feel loved like they've never been loved before by Jesus Because that is the answer. Imagine this world. When John Lennon penned those words, imagine when there's no war. Imagine when there's just love. That was Holy Spirit inspired. Why? Because the song wasn't coming out of the church. So God had to try and get it out to the people. and That song became around the world. Imagine when there's, you know, yeah, no heaven and hell. So he's saying about religion. didn't get that right. But can you imagine the sentiment of, of love getting around this world when there's no love? I'm sorry, I have to say this. I disagree because he said, imagine there's no heaven. Just, just been said. I know, but, but the, the, the words that he penned was about love. I didn't agree with, I've just said, I didn't agree with the heaven and the hell part, but I agree with the sentiment of love. Yeah, and that's the sentiment. So, folks, what's this going to look like? Well, it's 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is going to be a special people, and you are that special people. I am that special people. Get used to it. I'm special. You're special in his eyes. Of course, you're special. We're all special but know that you're that chosen generation. So you need to, every time you greet somebody here, greet them, you're chosen, you're a special one. So am I. Get used to it. It's not, we're not being bravado, we're not, no, this is what the word says. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, and that's the epinosis, the knowledge of the spirit, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, it is all about the kingdom. And I want to finish just with two verses um, out of this. What, 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 what's it going to look like? Where are we headed? Well, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 11, and it starts with the sevenfold spirit, the fullness of the sevenfold spirit being a part of a monk. This is the new thing that's going to come. The sevenfold Spirit of God is going to come on a body of people that are undone with love for Him, because they won't use it and they won't abuse it. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goats, the calf and the young lion and the faltering to, and the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. The cow—Who's the little child? We are. It's us. In the thousand-year reign, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand into the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. (gasps) That's heaven on earth. This isn't talking about heaven. This is heaven on earth. This is the thousand-year reign of God on a planet where the whole of this planet and the universe will know the knowledge of him. But the whole of the universe, is that's another talk. We start here. Isn't that incredible? Can, Can you imagine that, where there's no predatory spirit? There's no predatory spirit that my dog doesn't run after the squirrels or cats, that the dog and cat will lie together and they won't squabble and fight. It's going to be incredible. You know, we can swim with in the sea and not worry about getting eaten by a shark because the not they will have, sharks will have the knowledge of of heaven. Yeah. Seaweed. They they will either yeah they'll be eating seaweed and plankton. <laughs> you know it's they, they'll be you know this this is going to be incredible this earth. Yeah. You know I I've, I've seen things of me walking in the fields of Africa on the on the veld. And, and Peter and Jill will know what I'm talking about, where it just stretches for an eternity. And I know that I'm going to be walking with a lion, I'm going to be walking with my favourite elephant and my dogs, Yeah, you know, and, and we're, we're going to be ruling and reigning in parts of Africa. Heidi had an experience with the Lord, where the Lord jumps up, says, come here, Heidi, and Heidi jumps in the Lord's lap. It took us ages to understand all this, and then the map of Africa comes, and he points to a part of him on the map and says, Do you want that? Oh yeah, I love that. Africa, Zambia. Do you want that? Yeah, Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. Mozambique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Five cities. Four cities. Four cities. So what does all that mean? Can I show you? Because this is what it's about. Remember when, when Jesus, the disciples, said, But we've given everything to you. We've given everything up for you. He says, But you're going to receive a hundredfold. A hundredfold of what you've given up. But here's, here's what it says. Luke 19, this is the last of it. Luke 19, verse 11. I want you to see this because, why do I want you to see it? Because this is what it's about. This is where our rewards are. Because when I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to be slammed and damned. I'm going to receive a reward. You know, a hundredfold, 50, 30, or 10, 5, and 1. I'm going to receive my rewards. And I hope Sheffield's part of it. And when they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself a kingdom. Who's the nobleman? Jesus. What's the kingdom? Here, on earth. And to return. So he called his ten of his servants. Ten speaks of What? does 10 whenever you see the numbers in bible it means something what does 10 mean government judgment it's government it's 10 laws it's the 10 commandments so it's talking about government where we will be governing there are going to be 10 servants that will govern this earth so he called his 10 servants and delivered to them 10 miners and he said to them do business till i come But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not have this man to reign over us. This is the world. This is how the world, we don't want you, Jesus. Get away. We don't want it. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, because Jesus is coming again, he will receive this kingdom. This kingdom will be his. He then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that they might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your money that you gave to me has earned ten. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful with very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, Master, your minor has earned me five. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then, came, then another came, saying, Master, here is your minor. "'which I have kept and put away in a handkerchief, "'for I feared you because you are an austere man. "'You collected what you did not deposit "'and reap what you do not sow. "'And he said to him, "'Out of your own mouth I will judge you, "'you wicked servant. "'You knew that I was an austere man, "'collecting what I did not deposit "'and reaping what I did not sow. "'Why then did you put my money, "'why did you not put my money in the bank, "'that at my coming I might have collected "'with with some interest? "'And he said to those that stood by, "'Take the miner from him "'and give it to him who has ten. And they said master he has 10 miners for i say to you that everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me folks it's the only part of the bible that it talks about you get a reward Here's your ten cities. What we do on earth here will determine our position on this earth in the thousand-year reign. And the Lord, I believe, these aren't just cities, these are areas, geographical areas, because you've been faithful with what I've given you. In other words, I've given you my love. How much much did you love? How much did did you love tenfold? Did you love fivefold? Did you love... Or do you just hide away? Put your lamp, you know, cover your lamp. It's about being faithful to what he's given to us. But you think, what do you want the words coming out of Jesus' mouth? Not evangelist Andy Tip, lady. Can we collect your reward? You brought thousands of people in, but you didn't show them how to love. Be gone from me. This is what he says. He's get, But Lord, I did this in your name, I did that in your name. No, you never knew me you could be the greatest television evangelist, having the greatest amount of authority over a huge amount of people and still miss it when you're not preaching him, when you're not living for him, when you're not in love with him I want to hear good and faithful servant, well done Andy I've given you this and you had a bad start in your life you had a really st- rubbish start in your life, but you learned how to love, well done. That sobers us doesn't it? But there are rewards there. This is a kingdom and there are, he's looking for those princes. Who reigns Israel, Israel in the thousand year reign? Do you know? Tells us in the Bible. David, King David will rule in Israel. He will be in charge of Israel. It's there in, in the Bible. They worship the yeah. Yes, incredible. So again, it's, you know, things like we don't just want people up there who have a good sound, we want people up there who love the Lord, love the Lord with all of their hearts, in spite of everything going on around them. I mean, I know that Julie's had a dreadful time of late, but you know, she's here because she loves the Lord. I love, Angela. I love, you know, I think, I think we've got it. We're, we're on the road to getting it right here. We've got people up here that I wouldn't swap. Because I know your hearts are for Jesus. And as soon as we think your heart isn't for Jesus, we'll come and tell you. Because if we're allowed to give you the good, we've also got to help you instruct, yes. you know, in the bad as well. Listen, guys, you know, you're falling short here. Listen, just, just get back on track and I'll spur you on. Come on, I'll support you. And we've had people like that, who we said, look, we'll support you all the way. We don't want people saying these things about you. We'll support you, and we'll put you, even if you have fallen, we'll put you right. And we've had the two, you know, responses. We're walking away. But then that's God's, that's God's business. It's not mine. I just give that to the Lord. Isn't that great? Okay, Lord, it's not my problem, it's yours. Lord, I, you know, I'm... I just want to love you I want to keep my eyes focused on you so here's my question whose kingdom are you gonna serve honestly I came out of teaching I didn't stay in there for my pension that's that's the calling that God put upon my life Heidi came out of her full-paid MD job it isn't about our jobs our pensions how many houses whatever it is not about that it's about increasing the kingdom. And if God has put you in a job, shine for him in that job. Be the best that you can in that job until he says, right, this is what I want you to do. It's not about reaching that thing, oh, I've done my 30 years. You know, on, on a deathbed, I bet nobody's ever heard the words, I wish I'd worked harder. <laughs> Seriously. I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd done that. wish I'd done... Instead of this, no, listen, whatever God has called you to do, do it. Do it with everything that you have because he's put you there. The job that God gave me when I first became a Christian was probably the best job that I could have had. It was driving a van around delivering parts, vehicle parts, Citroen. Why? Why? because i could cry i could pray i could sing i was on fire for jesus and jesus was right in that van with me making all these deliveries all across warwickshire and oxfordshire and there was jesus and i was on fire for him i would pray most of the day can you sign this right i'm off I'm jesus i love you i love you you." can you sign this yeah i love you and that's what it was i was on fire then then people started giving me these tapes of people preaching, you know, the old tapes, and I put it in the old van, get blast and listen to these tapes in my early time. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. We've had that prophetic word said to us, I don't know how many times. Do not despise the smaller day begin- of the day of small beginnings. Because why? Because he wants us to love him. So do you wanna do you wanna join in this journey? Should we do it together? Well, we are doing it together. Let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. And let's become love and show other people how to become that love. That's what it's about, to show them how to love and love well, even if they've had a rubbish beginning and not been loved. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the perfectness of your word. And, Father, I pray now, will you just speak to us through your word Will you come and give us dreams and visions of your kingdom, of what it's like in heaven? And Father, that not you can just show us, but then you will enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to bring it down on earth. And Father, we want to be about your business. We don't want to be about church business. We don't want to be about whatever business. We want to be about your business. And Lord, each and every one of us here has got a part to play in your kingdom. Each and every one of us. So, Lord, will you help us and position us in that place to increase your kingdom? And, Father, I pray, let the new things that you have for this people, these people here, and hearing my voice, Lord, let the new things break out. Let the sevenfold Spirit of God start breaking out among us. The Spirit of all revelation of you, Jesus. The Spirit of all knowledge. The Spirit of all power and might the increasing of wisdom like we've never known, the reverential fear of the Lord like we've never known, Lord, that people will be crying out for you without being preached at in church. And they'll come running to this place because they know they are led by the Spirit of God and there are a body of people that are going to be led by the Spirit of God to teach and equip and then to send out. Freely we receive, freely to give out. And Father, I pray, protect us from one thing, ourselves. Protect us from ourselves. That we do not do this out of selfish ambition. But Lord, that we're doing it because it's your kingdom come. That's our desire. Lord, I pray, let us be compelled to bring heaven down on earth to the day of your return. And Lord, I pray, let not one of us be lost. Not one. Not one of us to be lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen Amen and amen.